0: hallelujah, hallelujah God, we bless you this morning, Lord and we thank you because you are gracious we thank you for being here this morning, Spirit of God we reverence you and we recognize you Jesus, we exalt you, we glorify you we magnify you this morning Father, we thank you so much for sending your Son We thank you so much for the blood that was shed for us. We thank you so much for your mercy that is beyond compare and for your grace that is sufficient for us, God. Lord, we exalt you today, and we thank you for all that you are. We give you all praise in Jesus' good name. Come on and give the Lord a hand of praise. He's worthy. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. We have a special this morning. I am starting a new series in the book of Proverbs. And so I, I spoke to Sister Sarah and um, Martinez, and she is going to bless us this morning. Amen? And she And, and she, wanted, she wanted to do more than just some spoken words, so there's a, a really good thing that's going to happen here. So put your hands together for Sarah as she comes forward. And her assistants.
1: Bishop gave me this piece. Um, I cry all the time because the Lord has been so good for me. Amen.
2: Amen.
1: He's been so good. And there are times in our lives that, you know, we think that the Lord doesn't hear us. There are times that we're so low in our lives that we think that God can't reach us. That we're in the pits and in the darkness and that God can't reach us and he doesn't listen. But he is always there. There is nothing beyond his reach. There is no place that we can hide that he cannot reach us. And so the piece today is called From Lies to Wisdom.
2: Amen. Letting all of this go. Letting all of me show. I've got nothing left to lose. Getting tired of the fight. God, I need a place to hide. I've got a broken soul tonight. And the silence is so thick. It's filling up my life coming from the crevices and spilling out the sides, And I'm left reading all these lines plaguing my mind. Can you do what you say you can do? Take shattered dreams and make them new. Can you be who you said you can be? A friend for me, a friend for me. Can you do what you say you can do? Take shattered dreams.
1: Sometimes, Because I have a notion of pain and I'm tired of the lies the enemy feeds me. Lies of imperfection, inadequacy, my shortcomings, my weaknesses, and my blemishes. He makes me believe that I will never measure up. And those words still bleed and I'm sinking in this ocean of pain. You see, I've been deceived and I ask myself, Who am I that you are mindful of me? that you hear me when I call. Can you really do what you say you can do? Take these shattered dreams and make them new. Can you be who you say you can be? You see, I fall to my knees and I cry to the Lord, show me, show me the inexplainable description of who you are and in the midst of my despair, a mighty rush of wind pours in, and I can hear his voice. And he says to me, My wisdom, and in my wisdom, you live and you move. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I formed you. I searched you even before there was a when and a where, a this or a that. I chose you. I've called you and set you apart. You are marked. You are. Sanctified, You were meant to be different. You were meant not to fit in. You are a word in motion sent from eternity to this present time to be distinct. You were chosen to change this atmosphere. Hallelujah. God's words resonate within me for his words were heaven sent. He signed them and the spirit sealed it and now I deliver it. Proverbs 8, 1 says, does not wisdom call, does not the understanding put forth her voice. We have been called to wisdom. And what is wrong, and what is holding you, and what is binding you, I know that he can heal you. Hallelujah. He is like foundation. He blends with us perfectly. <laughs> and unlike concealer, he reveals it all. Jesus is our harmony, keeping him and you and I and him in perfect tone and perfect beats, in perfect symphony. Let's take his word and phrases and stitch them together and wear them like an old comfortable sweater. Let his love cover you and clothe you, for he is eternal, external, and internal. His love for us is so deep that he proposed to us on the on the cross of Calvary. He has called us to repentance, and all we have to do is say, I do. Will you be ready to heed the call for wisdom?
2: You can do what you say you can do. Take shattered dreams and make them new. You can be who you said you can be, a friend for me a friend for me you can do what you said you can do take shadow dreams and make
0: Praise the Lord. Come on, you can stand to your feet. Give Jesus a hand of praise. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to the book of Proverbs. And we will start in chapter 1. book of Proverbs chapter 1 when you got that say so and now hold your place there and I want you to turn to Proverbs 8 when you got that say so and when you got that hold your place I'm just kidding (laughs) let's go to verse 1 in chapter 1 The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion, a wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles, and turn to chapter 8 and we'll begin reading there in verse 1 Does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice She takes her stand at the top of the high hill beside the way where the pla- where the paths meet She cries out by the gates at the entry of the city at the entrance of the doors to you O men I call and my voice is to the sons of men O you simple ones understand prudence and you fools, be of an understanding heart. Listen, for I will speak of excellent things. And from the opening of my lips will come right things. For my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They, all, they are all plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold for wisdom is better than rubies and all the things one may desire cannot be compared to her father we are grateful today for your truth we are grateful for your love we're grateful for your kindness toward us and lord god today i just humble myself before you and i ask you that you would use me to speak into your into the lives of your people god Father, I pray that you would utilize this series to bring edification to our lives and to bring change and transformation, and I pray that you be glorified in these next few moments that we are together. I pray all of these things asking you, God, give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church. We surrender all to you, God, and we ask you this in Jesus' good name. Someone said? You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so for the next few weeks, we are, or the, I'm not, not going to say few weeks, but for the next weeks, we are going to be studying the book of Proverbs. And as we, as we begin this study, I want you to realize that the first thing we find here, if we could just look at chapter 1 really quickly. Chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, it obviously says the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. And the reason for the book of Proverbs being written and for us studying it is it says this, it says, "...to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding." To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. He goes on to say this, To give prudence to the simple, or to those people who are naive and who don't know, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. To the wise man, a wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. And so I want you to notice that there is no one who is left out of who God is trying to speak to in the book of Proverbs. He is speaking to the young man. He is speaking to the one who is wise. He is speaking to the one who is maybe foolish. He is speaking to the one who has some wisdom, the one who is, you know, um, ignorant of things. He's speaking to everyone. And the reason why this is important is because when we look at the book of Proverbs, we need to make sure that we have the right heart. And we'll deal with this in a little bit. But the fact of the matter is, is that God here communicates everyone. If you're wise in this place, you think I'm a pretty wise person. You know what that means? That means you're going to add to your wisdom. That means as we look at the book of Proverbs, as you look at it on your own, you will add to the wisdom that you have. You will gain deeper insight and deeper understanding. You won't be a person like the person that I had the conversation with on Facebook. Y'all know that I'm Facebook patrol. And I told you this testimony before, but I'll share it with you again because it works and it fits in this scenario. And someone made a, made a, made a posting on Facebook that was a friend of mine, and they were quoting someone else. And when they quoted that person, the, um, the, what, what, what it said was that you can question a mentor but not a father. And that was the quote. You can question a mentor but not a father. And so my reply, you know, because I can make a comment, right? My question is, Why? Why can't I question a father? I mean, what kind of sense does that make? My child questions me all the time. Daddy, why? The first, look, for you parents of of children, you know that once they learn that word why, everything is why. Why? Why? But daddy, why? But mommy, why? And you're like, shh. That's the reason why parents just learn that phrase, because I said so. Because you ask so many why. Just shut up that's that's the Latin for shut up because I said so right that but ultimately what happens is we have so when this person wrote that I wrote why well the person who she was quoting you know applauded them or whatever the case was and so I didn't wanna you know go back and forth in in, in a conversation like that you know so what I did was I think I did the right thing I sent them a private message in love when I sent them the private message in love I used the book of Proverbs and I said this to them I said, listen, the Bible says that a wise man will add to himself wisdom through correction and rebuke. And so one of the greatest tests to see how wise you are is how do you deal with correction? How do you deal with rebuke? How do you deal with being confronted with certain things that don't exactly align with the way that you think? Sadly to say, the person replied back to me in a very foolish manner This person is not a fool, I would not say that But their response was foolish Why do I say that? Because the book of Proverbs is filled And and it talks about all of these different things And it deals with a person who is called a fool It deals with a person who is called wise And it deals with a person who is called wicked It deals with those three predominantly throughout the book of Proverbs But here's the reason why I bring that up It's because all of us at some time act foolish we're not necessarily fools, but we are acting foolish. Sometimes we act wise. Sometimes. Not all the time, because some of the time we act foolish. And then there are even sometimes that we act wickedly. Here's the thing don't get stuck in being wicked, repent of that. Don't get stuck in being foolish. Repent of that. Come to the place where you walk according to wisdom. Chapter 8 tells us something else. It says that wisdom cries out. That's the title of this series. Wisdom cries out. And it is so beautiful because when you look at chapter 8, you see all of the places where wisdom is crying out from. In other words, I want you to understand this, church. Wisdom is not just crying out to you on Sunday morning wisdom is not just crying to you crying out to you on wednesday Listen, wisdom is not just crying out to you when you are in your prayer closet. In all of those places, wisdom is crying out. But I want you to realize that when you go to school for a young person, wisdom is crying out to you. When you go to work for the for the adult who is in the work field, wisdom is crying out to you. When you enter into the malls, wisdom is crying out to you. But you need to realize something. There is also another voice that is crying out to you, and that is the voice of folly that is the voice of foolishness that is also crying out at the same time and the question is which voice are you responding to As we go through the book of Proverbs and we go through this series, it is really my prayer that your hearts will be open to be challenged and changed by the wisdom that God offers us throughout this book. It is my heart that I will share as we go through the book of Proverbs and we look at the way, you know, all of these different things that God speaks through Solomon and these other people who proclaim um, different aspects of wisdom, that our hearts, and I don't say yours, I say ours because I've spent some time studying the book of Proverbs and digging in there and meditating and laboring over, okay, God, what do you want for your people? What do you want them to hear? And the reality is that I have been challenged. And as I, and as I continue to do this, God is changing me and molding me according to his wisdom. So don't close your ears and think, well, I read the book of Proverbs. It's okay. We're going to walk through it together. Amen? And so today what I want to do is I'm going to lay a foundation for the weeks ahead. And like I said, I don't know how long we'll be in here. I'm thinking we'll probably, I mean, there's enough stuff in here. Literally, I'm going to tell you literally. Literally, when I looked at everything, and and, and what I did was I went through the book of Proverbs. I didn't have commentaries next to me. I could have used all of that stuff when I started studying this initially. Obviously, I used commentaries afterwards. But my initial study of the book of Proverbs, what I did was I went through and read verse by verse, verse by verse, and I wrote down what this was talking about. And so I had these different headings. You know how many headings I found of different topics in there? There was like 37 different topics that the book of Proverbs speaks of. Now, that's not talking about the subtopics. I'm talking about main headings. So for example, trust in the Lord, that's a topic that is in there. Trust and honoring the Lord. That's one topic. Under that one topic, there's 12 subtopics. So we could be here for a long time, but we ain't going to be here all that long. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to come back, and, and, and we'll work out on this later on at some point. But we are going to go through some things that are very pertinent to our lives. And so I want you to understand the way that we're going to study the book of Proverbs. As, as We just came through a study of God questions, and so that was what we call topical. Say topical. There are topical studies, and what that means is when you study your Bible or you preach or you teach, you can do it topically. So you can look at a topic like anger, love, hate, forgiveness, whatever. And those are topics, and what you'll do is you'll go through and you'll exhaust the Scriptures finding everything that speaks on that topic, and then you'll deal with it that way. And then prior to that, I did a series in 1 Peter and 2 Peter, and those were exegetical. Say exegetical. Now, personally, I used to love, and let me say this, I used to love preaching topically. When I was growing up in ministry and I first started preaching, I loved, I loved, 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 preach topically. Because you know what? I preach a different message every single week. Hallelujah. But when I got to to, to the place of being a leader in the church, a couple of years into this, I started preaching series, but I was still doing topics. And then I started to realize, man, I really want to teach exegetically and preach because it's not just about getting up here and just giving you a bunch of information, right? It's about us digging into the scriptures and letting the scriptures speak to us. And so when you teach exegetically, which is the way that I think is the right way to do it, you look throughout history, that's the way that, and when I say right way, I don't want to say that's the only way. Amen. Amen. Even if you're teaching topically, there should be some exegetical stuff up in there. And so ultimately, what happens is when, when, when you look at the book of Proverbs, it's very difficult to teach it exegetically. The reason is because as you go through the book of Proverbs, you'll notice in one place he's talking about, you know, crazy women, right? And, and he, you know, he's talking about a harlot over here. And then he'll talk about gold, and then he'll talk about giving, and then he'll talk about sons, and 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 he goes through all these. And so if we were exegetical, we'd be up in here and have like nine topics in one message. You would be falling asleep on me, be like lost, because we'd be all over the place. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go through the book of Proverbs and we're gonna do it topically and We're going to look at these different verses so that we'll go through them and we'll look at some major themes. We won't look at every single theme that is there, but we will look at some major ones that are important. But here is the big thing that I want you to get, and that is my prayer that you will pray for me as I preach through and teach through the book of Proverbs. It is this. The most important thing for me and the greatest challenge for me is going to be, is going to ensure that I am not solely helpful to you in this preaching. And what I mean is, I don't want you to come and hear this as just practical application for life, and that's all we're going to get. Because there's got to be something deeper than just practical application, because there is much more in here than just practical application. Are you with me? I don't want to just help you. What I want us to be able to do, I want you not to just look at it as, okay, I want you to take notes. Please take notes. Do that. That's a good thing. Mark up your Bible. You know, look, you know, write arrows, circle stuff, make a mess. Glory to God. Right, I mean, get get serious about it. That that way, you can navigate and you can look at all these different things we'll talk about. But I don't want you to only look at it that way. What we need to be able to do, and my goal is to make sure that we always come back to Jesus. Jesus' name is never mentioned once in the Book of Proverbs, never. God, God is the Lord, all of that, but Jesus never. But here's the thing: every book in the Bible, and I'm going to repeat this later on, so just be ready to hear it twice. Every book in the Bible should always bring us back to Jesus, and they do. The question is, what are you looking for? Are you looking for him, or are you just looking for knowledge? Are you looking for him, or are you just looking for answers? See, when we study the scriptures, we should do what? We should look for him. We should always be looking for him. So that's my prayer. Now, that being said, most of the book of Proverbs can be practically applied without submission to Jesus, and I say most of because there is one portion that we'll talk about in a little bit today and in detail in the, ne- in, in the message when I, when I speak on this fully is the fear of the Lord. You cannot not submit to Jesus in the fear of the Lord. You can't, you can't apply that practical part there. But other things in the book of Proverbs, you can apply without submitting your life to Jesus. Why? Because this is the wisdom of God. And so what will happen is, as a result of you hearing the wisdom of God, your life here on earth will be great. But I'll tell you something, your eternity will be miserable. So the reality is, you will get some great practical things. You will learn some good stuff. How to have a good life here in this earth. How to experience wonderful things. How to experience the the best that wisdom has to offer you, and apply that. And you can still die and be separated from God for all of eternity. Now, let me explain separation from God because it's very important. When we say that being separated from God, what that means is God is someplace, you are somewhere else. So what that so what what we need to see is if God where is God where is God where is he at? He's, he's seated on a throne in heaven, right? That's where he is. So if that's where he is, and you are separated from him, then where will you be? Hell. Y'all, 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 y'all scared to say hell? Say hell. It's okay. It, it, when, in context, it's not a bad word, all right? Don't be, don't be sending people there, but, right? Hallelujah. We're supposed to be delivering people from there. The point is, you can have all of this wisdom... Apply it in all areas of your life And still experience this separation from God Some people in this place You may have been told about a place called limbo An in-between place Please read your Bible When you find limbo Come and talk to me I want to have a real conversation with you Because I need to change my theology If you find limbo in your Bible You will not There is no purgatory That's, That's another word for limbo, right? Until someone makes enough prayers for you or gives enough, I don't know what they got to do to get you out of there, but the point is, that place does not exist. I don't want to offend anyone's belief. I want you to check your Bible to find out if it's there. Because if it is not in there, then we need to change direction. And for those of you that are sitting here and be like, oh, well, none of us are like, well, listen, if you're not like that, maybe you know someone who is, so help them. Amen? so, looking through this, we can be separated from him. But can I tell you something else? It's not just about getting out of hell. I don't, it, it's not just about that. It is about experiencing Jesus here and now. It's, it's one thing to have a good life. It's a whole different thing to have real life. It's one thing to have all these different things the world has to offer. It's a whole different thing to have Jesus walking with you. And so that way, everything that you have that is good is sweeter. And the things that are bitter, they're not as bitter because you have him walking with you. And that is the wisdom that is crying out. And so I will answer five questions for you this morning, and we will go through them rapidly. Say rapidly. I don't know what that definition is, but we're going to try to do it. Amen. Hallelujah. And so the five questions are this. You can write them down. I think that it's a good way. I was going to introduce the book a little bit different, but then in looking at some, you know, some different studies, I was like, I think this will be a good way to do it. I think this is a good way, and the reason why I chose this is because I think that this is a good way for you and I to approach any study of any book in the Bible. The first question that you want to ask is, what is the major theme of the book? We're going to talk about what the major theme of the book is, and we'll get into that. The second question is, who wrote the book and how was the book written? Those are important things to know. The third thing is, what is the key verse or verses that help unlock the message of the book? The fourth question is, what does this book say about Jesus? As I said before, that's probably the most important question that you can ask in all the books that you read. And the fifth one is, what must I do to get the most out of this book? And then I will have a sixth question that I'll give you later on. I won't give you that one now. So the first question is this, what is the major theme of the book of Proverbs? So obviously, say obviously, obviously Obviously, wisdom would sum up the book. And so I could just walk away and say the major theme of the book is wisdom, move on to point two. But you know I'm not going to do that. Right? That would be too rapid. That would be like ridiculously rapid. We're not that rapid, okay? I'm going to act like you asked me an open-ended question and wanted to really get deep on this thing here. When you look at the book of Proverbs, you find the word wise or wisdom used at least 125 times throughout the book. The reason why this is important is because kings and all rulers have always and will always, if they're wise, you know, they will always have advisors or experts in areas. That are, that are beside them to give them counsel as to how they should govern and lead, right? That, that, that's what happened. Solomon, he had people. There, there, there were going to be people. Every king has some people. Our president, he has people that give him counsel, give him direction. He doesn't just make decisions by himself. He talks to people because what? The Bible says there's safety and counsel. Say safety and counsel. When you wage war, you wage war by what? By many counselors, by getting much counsel. And so the point is, are you getting good counsel or bad counsel? The beauty of God is that when we see wisdom crying out, we see the missional part of God. Remember I said before, God is a missionary. He is always on mission. He is always pursuing us, always crying out after us, always trying to get our attention. Well, what we see here in the book of Proverbs is that God leaves us not alone without counsel. He gives us plenty of counsel. 31 chapters of counsel to help us navigate through life now that doesn't mean that you don't need other godly counselors in your life hello the book of Proverbs doesn't talk about every single thing And so you need people who are prayerful, people who will seek God on your behalf, people who will speak the scriptures, and people who will speak wise counsel that derives from God. And we'll talk about that in a moment as well. Here's moving on into the New Testament because I want to bring us to the New Testament for a moment. In the book of Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, you can write that down. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, we are instructed that we are supposed to walk as wise people, not foolish We are to walk as wise, not foolish. That means that our lives should reflect different values than that of the world. Our lives should reflect the values of Scripture. Being wise in this world means that, that you're reflecting the values of Scripture, that above all things, that you are bearing the image of Christ, that you are reflecting God before the ones that you lived before. The Bible also goes on to tell us in the book of James chapter 1 and verse 5, this is an invitation. He who lacks wisdom, let him ask God. So if you lack wisdom on a topic, ask the Lord. If you lack wisdom in an area, ask God, and he is faithful to give it to us, right? And does he just give us a little bit? No, he gives it to us according to our need and our heart. The Bible goes on to say a little bit later on to to ask in faith without doubting. In context, that's what that scripture is talking about. It's talking about asking God for wisdom and believing it. But then the Bible also goes on to say this, and this is an extremely important verse, in James chapter 3. In James chapter 1, we get the invitation, ask for wisdom. In James chapter 3, verse 13 through 18, the Bible says that there are two different types of wisdom. There is the wisdom that is divine. There is the wisdom that comes from God. And then there is another wisdom, and that is the, the wisdom that is earthly, that is natural, and demonic is the way that James puts it and so when we see that here's what we understand from there we understand that we are in a battle say we are in a battle you remember that i said that there's a voice that is there crying out right there's that voice of folly that is there crying out trying to get your attention but we are engaged in a battle consistently we are always engaged in this warfare against what against the flesh against the world system and against demonic forces did you see that in the wisdom that is offered so there's a wisdom that is totally opposed to the God that dwells in us. There is a wisdom that is totally opposed to the God who inspired Scripture and the scriptures. There is a wisdom that is totally opposed to those things. And we have to make a choice. Which wisdom do we want to live by? I want to give you a working definition of the word wisdom, and it is this. Wisdom is correct is how to correctly apply or use knowledge. That's what wisdom is. That, that, that's the short definition of it. I want to give you some quotes that I thought were nice. But just a working definition. When we talk about wisdom, the correct application of knowledge. How do we apply knowledge correctly? wisdom means being skillful that's what that's another word that we find throughout here in the meaning of the word wisdom it means being skillful and successful in one's relationships and responsibilities observing and following the creator's principles of order and the moral universe that is according to dr roy zuck lastly and this is why wisdom becomes so important please listen to this people with wisdom have the skill to face life to face life honestly and courageously and to manage it successfully here's the big point so that God's purposes are fulfilled in their lives it's not just about having the ability to navigate through life It is about something bigger than my comfort. It is about something bigger than your comfort. It's about something bigger than you knowing the answer or knowing how to deal with the situation. It is about the purposes of God being accomplished in our lives. That is why God gives us wisdom. He says he doesn't. You don't get what you ask because what? You ask amiss. Again, that's James. Contextually, what are we talking about? We're not talking about money. We want to apply it to that. That's not what James is talking about. James is talking about wisdom. We don't get it because what? Because it's about us, not about Jesus. It's not about God's purpose in our life. It's about us. Here, God wants us to experience these things. This is what wisdom tells us. We'll look at that in a a moment. Wisdom, wisdom wisdom, gives us and offers us the ability to experience good stuff like prosperity and all of these different things. But here is the big point. The wisdom we need from God is for his purposes to be accomplished in our lives. And any wisdom, please listen to me, any wisdom, any counsel that diverts you or keeps you away from God's purpose in your life is not God. and it can seem good. I'll give you one example. Again, you know my Facebook situation. One of my one of my friends on Facebook, they just put a question out there, it was for everyone to answer. They said, "What do you feel about meditation? Are you for it or against it?" Now, it'd be easy again to just say, "I'm for it" because I am for meditation on scripture. I am for meditation on the Lord. I am for meditating on those things that are praiseworthy and lovely and all that good stuff, right? I'm 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 I am for that because my Bible says that. But I know when folks are asking questions, it's not like that. They're not, they're not, they 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 just want to hear what you gotta say. So I, you know, I looked at the comments and they had one person, yes, I think meditation is great, you know, because it's cleansing and it's liberating. And I was like, I, yo, wow. I'm, sorry. For those of you who don't speak Spanish, I just said, oh my God. So I'm like. I'm like, Lord, I'm like, why do I, I, I you know, and, and I'm like trying, I pick, my, my wife helps me a lot, you know, because I'm going to like have a heart attack one day, reading all the Facebook junk, um, and I appreciate those of you have, who have removed me from being your friends because of the stupidity you say, no, I'm just joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, I had to throw thought out there, but listen, um, you're saving me from a heart attack, okay, um, I am just kidding, I am joking, I love y'all, please, friend friend, request me, I, I, want, you, I want you back, um, <laughs> So my wife helps me she she assists me often you know because I'm like babe I can't believe this person said this and she's like just ignore it I'm like I can't so 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 I'm listening you know so I'm reading this this stuff and and, um, and and you know one of my one of my friends you know he throws in there you know he's like and he quoted like six scriptures and he's like are you talking about this kind of meditation and then I just had to just throw my you know because I was like I don't know if this person gonna read their Bible to just be like whatever so I said I'm I'm good with meditation on scripture I said, I'm good with meditation on Jesus. I'm good with meditation on that. I'm good with that because the Bible calls us to that. But I said, I don't think that it's healthy for us to meditate like some spiritualists will have you meditate because that type of meditation is an inward type of meditation. It is about looking inward to find the inner whatever, okay? So here's the point. The point is, I'm going to try to find this inner whatever. The Bible shows me there is nothing inner good in me. So what I'm going to find is nothing but depravity. That's depressing. If I am really looking inside, I'm going to find nothing but wickedness and sin. That is what I'm going to find. So why would I meditate on that junk? I wouldn't. But the point is they're not telling you that because they're saying that there's some inner light. So here's the point. The point is, this person, I'm talking about wisdom that diverts you, takes you away from the wisdom of God, right? Takes you away from the purposes of God. Do you think God wants you sitting there going, mmm, you think so? You think, is that, is that what God wants you to do? So you can get in tune with the nature around you and all that. Is that what God wants? Listen, I have no issues with nature. All right, I'm all for, we, we, have, we have recycling bins in our house, I know that. I don't hug trees, but, you know. I'm, I'm cool with all that, all right? I, 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 want, I want to preserve whatever, you know I mean? It's all going to be burned up anyway, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But, but I want to do my part that while I'm here, right, and in case it doesn't get burned up, it's not my fault that it got burned up. So again, y'all, y'all, y'all in a good mood today, glory to God. Just, but when I wrote this to this person, it was to help them understand something, there is a wisdom that sounds good. Everybody wrote on there, oh, well, you know, it's one thing to do a biblical, you know, but. Listen, don't use the Bible and but in the same sentence. Please please don't do that because that's ridiculous. Like, yeah, the Bible is good, but. Yeah, the scriptures are good, but. Wait, get the but out of here. <laughs> they just keep rolling today. I, I don't know. It's, it's an anointing from Pastor Frank last week. It's left behind. <laughs> We're going to send him a video and be like, Pastor, this is all you, man. But it's the wisdom that pulls you away from the purposes of God that we have to be careful. Because, oh, you, you know what? You sit down, you know, and, and whatever, and, and you feel good because, you're, you know, you're, you're vibrating. You know, those mmm, they make you vibrate. So you vibrated, you felt good, and you had the internal vibrations, and you mmm, right? And you get, you get deep with it. You feel good. It's like a workout. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm saying, listen, I want to say this. People don't do that stuff because it feels bad. But it doesn't bring you to Jesus. It's going to bring you to a wrong place. You don't need to be there opening yourself up to spirits that you don't need to be open to. Hallelujah. Moving on to my second point, because I said we're going to do this rapidly. So that was like, honestly, that was 12 minutes on that one point. We're going to do do better, church. We're going to get better right now. Who wrote the book of Proverbs? This should be quick, right? But you know I'm not going to be quick, right? Solomon, right? He wrote it. You see Solomon. You see Agur of Jacob. You see King Lemuel's mother she didn't write it but he's communicating and they think that King Lemuel that may be another name for Solomon she communicates some great stuff also we talked about this already the structure how is the how how was the book written and I will I want to quote what one scholar said that I thought was pretty amazing he says as we read the book of Proverbs chapter by chapter because it's written topically the Spirit of God has the freedom to teach us about many subjects and we never know from day to day which topic we'll need the most. So when you look at the book of Proverbs, I do encourage this, okay? We talked about not just reading your Bible, but I encourage you to meditate on some Proverbs once a day. If you do one proverb a day, you meditate on that. I'm not saying that be the only Bible reading that you do, but make, I, I, would inco- I would incorporate that. Because there are some things in there that God may just get your attention and call you out and be like, hey, I want to deal with you on this area. And you'll begin to understand things that, man, you just totally forgot. It's been a long time since I've gone through the book of Proverbs like that. And so when I was studying this, he was checking me all over the place. Holy Spirit is able to do that. Lastly, I want to say this. The setting of the book of Proverbs was probably in the king's court. Yet we find something more intimate throughout the book. And it is the term, my son being used to open and close the book so chapter one has in there my son you go down a couple of verses from where we read and you'll see it's solomon speaking wisdom to his son and the closing of the book it is where king lemuel's mother is speaking it's beautiful because it's like a dad opens and a mom closes and they bring this thing together beautiful picture of the way that god wants to speak wisdom is not gender specific he only want to speak through dads or he only want to speak through moms he wants to speak through parents to their children amen And when we read the book of Proverbs, we should get two things out of this. Number one, it should be a practical application that we as parents should spend time speaking wisdom into the life of our children. Sometimes that sounds like a lecture. Sometimes they don't want to hear it. Sometimes they heard it 19 times. And you want to know what's going to happen? When they have kids, they're going to repeat it 19 times to their kids. So parents, speak wisdom into your children's life. But here's a greater thing in, in, in relationship as to us as individuals. When we read through the book of Proverbs, the beauty of Jesus is that he wants us not to look at Proverbs as just an ap- academic piece of work with a bunch of sayings in it. But he wants us to look at it from a relational place. As our Heavenly Father speaking to us, his sons and daughters. Amen? That was four minutes. We did good on that one. See, I told you we were going to get better. That's about as good as we're going to get, I promise you. Question number three, what is the key verse that helps unlock the message of the book? All right, so let me break down the book of Proverbs in its totality to you. The first nine chapters of Proverbs form a unit in which the in which the emphasis on wisdom and folly are personified as two women. The Hebrew word for wisdom is in the feminine gender, and so what happens is in chapters one, chapter eight, and chapter nine, wisdom calls to men and women to follow her and enjoy salvation, enjoy wealth enjoy life. These are the things that wisdom is declaring in those chapters. Then you go to chapters 5, 6, and 7, and folly is calling to the same people and offers them immediate satisfaction, but doesn't warn them of the tragic consequences of rejecting wisdom, which would be condemnation, poverty, and death. You start off there. When you get to chapters 10 through 15, this forms the next unit, and it presents a series of contrasts. That's when it gets really hard to do the book of... um, the book of proverbs exegetically because that's when there are these different topics about different areas of life that are spoken the differences between life according to wisdom and the difference between life life according to wisdom and folly and the closing chapters chapter 16 to 31 contain a variety of proverbs that give us counsel about many important areas of life and so that's how the book is written but now the question is what is the key verse what, 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 what would be the key verse that would be able to help us to really unlock this? And if you look at your Bible really quickly at chapter 1 and verse 7, here is the key verse. Chapter 1 and verse 7 and then chapter 9 and verse 10. We'll look at those together really quickly. Chapter 1 and verse 7, and we're not going to spend a lot of time here because I'm going to preach a whole message on the fear of the Lord. But I want you to see this as being key to opening up what the scriptures or what the book of Proverbs. And really, I would say most of any scripture. Um, chapter 1 and verse 7 says this. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. Say, the beginning beginning. of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so the place where real knowledge begins, all knowledge begins, it has to begin with the foundation of who God is, period. That's where it has to begin. It has to begin with him. But it's not just about a fear like that. I want you to understand this. Look at chapter 9 and verse 10 there. Chapter 9 and verse 10, it says this. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And so what we realize is that it is more than just this fear, like I'm shaking and trembling, and I give you a a working definition of that as well, but we have to have a fear of who God is. And so like I said, we're going to get into this in a whole series, and the fear of the Lord is the key to this book, and really any other book of the Bible as far as our approach to Scripture. We're going to dig deeper into this, but here is the thing that we need to understand. If we truly Fear the Lord. We acknowledge from our hearts that he's the creator, we are the creatures. When we truly fear the Lord, we realize that he's the father and that we are his children. When we truly fear the Lord, we recognize that he's the master and we are the servants. When we truly fear the Lord, it means that we respect God for who he is, that we listen carefully to what he says, and that we are quick to obey his word, and that we know that our disobedience displeases him, it breaks our fellowship with him, and it invites his chastening. What the fear of the Lord is not, it is not some servile fear of a slave before the master, but it is a reverential and respectful fear of the child before their parent. That's what the fear of the Lord is that we're supposed to have. Question number four. What does this book say about Jesus? Now listen, if you were tuned out, all the other ones, please tune in now. If you weren't paying attention, it's very important that you get this because this is what, to me, the Bible, preaching, teaching, everything, it's, it's all about Jesus. It is all about him. And I want us to be able to come back to him and realize his, his, his role in this book. As I said before, in any book in the Bible, if any book in the Bible does not point us forward or back to Jesus, it does not belong in the Bible. That's the reason, that's part of what happened when the the Bible was was, was canonized, was because of some of that stuff there. It should point us to him. All scripture must bring us into a deeper revelation of Jesus. Either the revelation of his will, the revelation of his ways, or the revelation of his person. Turn to Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 22. We're going to begin reading there. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 22, it says this, it says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. When there was no depths, I was brought forth. When there was no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the worlds, When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits so that the waters would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily in his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was in the sons of men. And so what does this depict? this depicts wisdom as being what eternal right that's that's what the scripture is saying here wisdom has an eternal it's been there from the beginning from God's beginning so does God have a beginning oh my goodness I got one no two no's no three does God have a beginning no hallelujah glory to God talk to me no he doesn't have a beginning so he's saying wisdom is eternal. Now, let's move forward because I don't want to just look at that scripture. I want us to look at what the book of John says because now we're going to look at the book of John, chapter 1, the beginning in verse 1. That's New Testament, the gospel of John. Now, wisdom in the book of Proverbs said what? It said nothing was created without it, right? That's, that, that's what Proverbs said. That's what chapter 8 there said. Now, look at chapter 1 in the book of John. You ready? John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Doesn't this sound kind of like similar to wisdom over there? Sounds the same to me. But look at this. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Amazing. Sounds like the same thing. But I, don't want, I don't want to leave you there either Because I want us to move forward Because I want us to see more scripture on this Because this would suggest that Jesus Christ Is the eternal wisdom of God, right? Let's see if other scriptures can can, can can confirm that And we'll get more than one, two witnesses Let's go to 1 Corinthians Chapter 1 and verse 24 I know you're like, this is not in the book of Proverbs Of course it's not, but we need to confirm some stuff, right? Hallelujah 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. You got to say so? And it says, But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Okay? Now go to verse 30. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. So is Jesus the wisdom of God? So the book of Proverbs is telling us something. It doesn't stop there. I want you to turn to the book of Colossians. This is the most important verse for me in this whole preaching today. I mean, all these verses are important, I, I don't, I, but I, I want you to know to me, this is the most important one. Colossians chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse 1. You got to say so? It says, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance and understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So where is all wisdom, all knowledge? He said treasures are hidden in a person. Not in a particular book of the Bible Listen to me You will find Jesus throughout your Bible And the point is that the gospel Jesus is the hidden wisdom And the treasures of God are locked up in Jesus So what is my appeal? My appeal is cry out and look for who? Jesus Look for him because in him are hidden all the treasures of God's wisdom and God's knowledge And if you find Jesus, you'll find everything else you need that's the reason why wisdom continues to say like she did in chapter 8 says it there says what it says get wisdom more than silver more than gold pursue that because when you get that you get everything else you get everything else that God has for us in, in in this life and so here's the thing the wisdom of God is the gospel Solomon in the in the book of Proverbs gives us great wisdom for all of life And it's rooted in what? The main thing, the fear of the Lord. Ultimately pointing us to who? To Jesus, who according to Matthew chapter 12 and verse 42 is greater than Solomon. Solomon had a wisdom, but he was not as great as Jesus. And everyone was doing what? Pointing forward to Jesus. Fifth question. Last one that we're going over that that, that I gave you and then we'll have one more. The question is, what must I or what must you do to get the most out of this book? As with the study of any book of the Bible, the condition of our heart must be correct if we are to receive all of what God intends. So what should the condition of our heart be? Turn back to the book of Proverbs and you're going to go to chapter 30 in the book of Proverbs. This is going to show us the right heart condition. Gotta say so. It said, The words of Agur, the son of Jacob, his utterance. This man declared to Ithiel, to Ithiel, and Yukal, Surely I am more stupid than any man. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and do not have the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom nor have knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is the name of his son? Or what is his son's name, if you know? This right here is the right heart condition. So we should all walk around saying we are stupid. (laughs) That's not what I'm trying to say. It's a joke. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What this guy is saying, obviously he had some wisdom or his, or his words wouldn't be written in this book. Amen? Amen? But what he was communicating is that in light of who God is, in light of the greatness of the creator, in light of the greatness and the vastness and the fullness and, 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 the, and the unattainable wisdom of God, I'm stupid. I'm foolish. I haven't learned anything. I haven't even arrived to... I'm still like a beast is what he's saying. You know what he's doing? He's communicating a heart that is humble before God. He is communicating a heart that is broken and reverent before God. That's the right heart that we're supposed to have. The problem with us is that we come to God too full of ourselves. We come to God too full of our experiences... We have bad experiences with people, and what? I don't want to deal with any more people because I've had bad ex- Oh, I know that one. That person is like this, and so I don't want to do it. I've seen that before, and I'm done with that. Hold on a second. Is that the wisdom of God? No, that's not the wisdom of God. That is our flesh. We come to God with too much. We know too much sometimes. And if we want to get the most out of any book of the Bible... If you want to get the most in everything that God has, what do we have to do? We have to come, we, we have to come before Him, emptying ourselves, acknowledging our need not only for wisdom, not only for knowledge, not only for understanding, but the greatest and deepest need that we all have for him, and not only our need for him, but our willingness to change. Because many of us will come to God as the rich young ruler did and ask him, What must I do to be saved? Right. And he'll say, well, honor your mother and your father and do all of these different things. And then you're like, well, I've done all of that. And then he says, "The oh, one thing you lack, sell everything you have, come and follow me. And we walk away from Jesus saddened. Why? Because he asks us for too much. He asks us for more than we're willing to give. We are willing to give him a day, not our life. We are willing to give him a couple of days a week, not our whole week. We were, gi- we, we were willing to give him a few hours in our day, not our whole day. We were willing to give him a part. We, we were willing to give him our spouse, but not ourself. Oh, you know what I meant, right? We're willing to say, God, change them. Don't worry about me. Because you get them right, I'll be good. Lord, what must I do to restore? Okay. He says, give me you. And all of these things. We're willing to give him our children. Listen, when I youth pastored, I can't tell you how many parents came to me. They were unwilling to change. They were unwilling to repent of their sin, their hypocrisy, their ways of being wrong. They were unwilling to do that, but they wanted their kids to walk on water. And they thought that the youth pastor has a magic wand and be like, abracadabra. <laughs> pastor Jason, just have a conversation with them. Okay. Okay. I can have a conversation to them. I will preach to them till my heart falls out of my chest every week. I will love them. I will pray for them. But, but that is not the issue. Oh yeah, they're, they're part of the problem, but they're a product of something else. Many of us come to him like that. We come to God like that. We're willing to give him other things and not the very thing that we need to give him, which is our heart, our full devotion. To close this point, I love this quote. The Holy Spirit teaches the serious, not the curious. See, when you're serious, you come to Jesus with a heart that says, God, I want your will, not mine. When you're serious, you come to God empty of yourself. Yeah, God, I've had some experiences, but none like you. You've been there, done that, back and forth. You're there already. You're here. I don't. You know, you're beyond. That's how you come to him. That's a serious heart that says, I want to be like you. And the question I didn't tell you about, which is my closing question, is this. Every one of us must make this decision. Do I wish to be found wise or foolish by God's standards? Let me take you to two more portions of Scripture, and we'll close. Go to Proverbs 22. Proverbs twenty-two, 17. We'll begin reading in verse 17. The scripture says, Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise, and apply your heart to my knowledge. For it is a pleasant thing if you keep them within you. Let them all be affixed upon your lips, so that your trust may be in the Lord. I have instructed you today, even you. Have I not written to you excellent things of counsels and knowledge that I, may make you, that I may make you know the certainty of the words of truth that you may answer words of truth to those who send you? Look at verse 19. Here is the point of the book of Proverbs. This is the point here. So that your trust may be in the Lord. Where's your trust? Is it in your experience? Is it in your upbringing? And I'm not talking about the gospel in your upbringing. That's not what I'm talking about. Is it in those bad experiences or is it in Jesus? Where is it? Is your trust in your knowledge? Is your trust in your education? Or is your trust in Jesus? The last scripture we'll turn to is the book of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter seven, verse twenty-four to twenty seven. Jesus is speaking here after he gives the Sermon on the Mount, and he says this therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, Jesus just dropped a bomb on them, gave them all kind of wisdom, all kind of instruction. He was flipping their theology all over the place. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man. Say wise man. Who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Here's what I want you to notice first. The first thing I want you to see here is that he says the person who hears and does is called wise, not just the one that hears. But here's what I want you to notice as well. They're wise and their house stands in the midst of storms. It doesn't not experience storms. Because what I don't want you to think about the book of Proverbs is that because you're going to walk according to wisdom, you're never going to have hardship. No. You are just going to be standing firm on your faith in Christ, your faith in his word, your belief in the gospel, and you will withstand the storms that will come to destroy you. He goes on to say this, But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man, say foolish man, man. who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Listen, I want you to get this. The falling and the failures of this life, of this day, in this age, those failures are bad. And you don't want to experience those. But I want you to know this. You can walk with Jesus and still experience hardship. The Bible promises us tribulation. For those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, we will experience much tribulation. That's what Paul says. That's how he encourages the church in the book of Acts. But here's the point. There was an eternal falling that there was no recovery from. And today, wisdom, Jesus, is calling to you and say, follow me. Search for me. And if you don't know me, repent of your sins. Put your faith in me. And let me walk with you from this day forward. Amen? Amen. So I'll stand on our feet and let us pray together.